the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Me in history, most of the world's exploration and conquering of lands have been done by Japheth's European descendants. Remember history? There's Spain and England, Portugal. And Italy, that's precisely what God was talking about. He enlarged the territory of Japheth. So that has been fulfilled. Japheth is on much of the earth's territory. Japheth, probably the third son of Noah, whose name means wide-spreading, was directed by God to be fruitful and replenish the earth. God said his tents were to be enlarged, and as we'll find out in more detail today in our Bible study, Japheth was the father of the Gentiles. Explorers who set out to enlarge the known world's borders as a partial fulfillment of Noah's prophecy are names we have studied in grade school. Marco Polo, Christopher Columbus, Diaz, Vasco da Gama, Ferdinand Magellan, Henry Cabot, and Sir Francis Drake were all explorers from different countries in Europe and all descendants of Japheth. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. My name is Jerry Pruden, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside since 1981. Verse by Verse Ministries is a tool for making his practical messages available to a wider audience. Here now is Pastor Steve. We've been studying the book of Genesis and specifically 9, but we'll move into chapter 10 this morning because these chapters reveal that every human being is a descendant of one of Noah's three sons, either uh, Japheth, Shem, or Ham. And it also, and we read this, by the way, and we've studied this before, but let me just remind you, verses 18 and 19 of chapter 9. Now the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. He had no other boys. Everybody here is from one of these sons. And also, we learn in chapter 10 that the nations of the world, at this point, after the, after the flood, there are, there are no nations. There's just these three sons, their wives, Noah and his wife. But from these three boys and their wives, the nations of the world came. In fact, it says in chapter 10, verse 1, Now these are the records of the generations of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and the sons of Noah, the son, and, and sons were born to them after the flood. And then Moses tells us about the nations. Chapter 10 is the table of the nations. But I want you to keep in mind, this is very important, the purpose in giving us this uh, genealogy is not so much to tell us where we came from, that's not the primary purpose, to tell us where we came from. I think there's a purpose to that, and that Israel needed to know where they came from. But that's not the primary purpose. The primary purpose is to tell us how God has blessed humanity in spite of their rebellion. In spite of their rebellion. 
Not only does this genealogy tell us where we came from, it also tells, where, it tells us where we're going in terms of the blessing that God has for us. And let me, let me explain where we are and, and where we're going in Genesis. In chapter 3, we read, we, we've read of the fall of man as Adam and Eve sinned and mankind fell then and every, everyone after them became sinners. They became sinners and all their children became sinners. In chapter 4, we see the evidence of their wickedness and that Cain murders his brother Abel. And also we see that Cain is the founder of society, of civilization, but it's a civilization without God. It's a uh, civilization that's creative. Uh, it's a civilization that invents tools and, and music and things like that, but it's an arrogant society. It's a very self-sufficient society, and that is society today. Cain is the founder of that. In chapter 5, Noah is born, and uh, we realize that as we read chapters 5 and 6 that Noah is the last godly man on the face of the earth. And there would have been, I told you this, there would have been billions of people, just like today. But he was the last true believer. And as a result of that, God decided that he would wipe out mankind, except Noah and his family. And uh, it says in chapter 6 that violence was, was uh, characteristic of mankind, that the intents of their hearts were evil continually, and so God sent the flood. And so from chapters 6 really through 8, we have the story of the flood and all the other things that intersect with that. Then in chapter 9... After the flood and, and the ark lands on Mount Ararat, we see uh, after that that man's heart has not been changed. The flood didn't change mankind because Noah, the greatest man at that point, the most godly man, did a horrible thing. He was drunk. We read in chapter 9, verse 20, that Noah began farming, he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine and became drunk, and uncovered himself inside his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it upon uh, both their shoulders, and walked backwards, and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were turned away, so they did not see their father's nakedness. And we went into this, explaining it the last few weeks, what this, what this all was, was about. So the flood didn't change mankind's sinfulness. But as a result of this incident, what, what we would look at, and we say this is a trivial incident, just trivial. Um, the interesting thing is as a result of this, Noah pronounces a prophetic statement. He makes a prophecy about his three sons and their descendants. And that, in a nutshell, is, is the history of humanity, a little-known portion of Scripture he says in verse 25, first he begins with the curse of Canaan, Ham's son. And if you were not here last week, I would encourage you to get the tape because we explain why Canaan was cursed rather than Ham and all the implications of that. So he said, cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brothers. And this is where we left off last week. But the next part of, of Noah's prophecy consists not of a curse, but of a blessing. A blessing to Shem and his descendants and to Japheth and his descendants. And then we're told about the nations of the world. Because God is going from that point on. And there is a purpose in, in the heart and mind of God. And you'll see this in Genesis. From this point on, as you get to the end of chapter 11 and then into chapter 12, God will focus, in fact, the rest of the Bible will focus on Shem's descendants. And one in particular, and that is Abraham. 
first called Abram. This man, Abram, who's one of Shem's descendants, God will bless uniquely. God will bless him uniquely. And then from this point on, the focus in the, in the Bible, the rest of the Bible, is upon Abraham and the blessing that Abraham was given, as well as the blessings that would affect all of humanity. Let me show you what I mean. Chapter 12. Just turn over to uh, chapter 12, verse 3. We won't take time to read all of the first uh, part of chapter 12, but in verse 3, in the midst of God telling Abraham, calling him, blessing him, he says, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, watch this, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham will be blessed, and he will be a blessing to all the families of the earth, meaning not only the Shemites, but the the Japhethites and the Hamites and all of that. So that's where we're going. Now, this morning, as we finish chapter 9, and we're going to do a survey of chapter 10, we want to keep in mind the real message of these verses, and this is the real message. It's about the blessing that is available to all people that God gives. It is the blessing that is available for all people, the blessing that God has promised, and you'll see this this morning, to Shem and then later to Abraham. Now, what is that blessing? Well, you just have to stay awake, because that's what we're going to study this morning. I'm not going to tell you now. We're going to study this this morning. We're going to look at three parts of this, uh, these verses. We're going to look at the prophecy of Noah as we continue looking at that, then the death of Noah, and then the descendants of Noah. Let's begin by looking at the prophecy of Noah. Having con- concluded his prophetic curse upon Canaan, and really not so much upon Canaan, but upon the Canaanites, those wicked people who were in the land, which we call the land of of Canaan, um, and Israel was told to wipe them out, wicked people, perverted people, sexually perverted, morally perverted, a curse upon them. Noah now pronounces a prophetic blessing upon Shem. Watch this, verse 26. And also, he also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be a servant. Now, we've already looked about Canaan being a servant. That took place in history, so we, don't, we won't have to deal with that. But blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. Now, the first thing we notice is that this blessing is not actually directly given to Shem. I mean, it is for Shem, but it's not given that way. It is a blessing actually for Shem's God, for the Lord God of Shem. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. In other words, Shem's blessing would be only because of his covenant relationship with God. His blessing is tied into his relationship with God. And it's very interesting that the term Lord here is not uh, uh, anything other than the covenant name of God. It is what we would say Yahweh or Jehovah. It is God's covenant name for his relationship with Israel. When he revealed himself to Israel as the covenant God with them, he called himself Yahweh. So Shem's people would be blessed, but only because of their covenant relationship with God. Now, who are the descendants of Shem? The Shemites became the great Middle Eastern peoples, those who we call today Jewish, and uh, also those who are called Arabs, although, in all fairness, that uh, most Arabs today in that part of the world are a combination of, uh, of Shemites and Hamites. 
In fact, uh, to, to be anti-Jewish today is to be said of you that you are anti-Semitic, anti-Shemitic. That's, that's the same term. That's where you get that term from. The Semite is a Shemite. But it's to one Shemite that a covenant is made that will eventually form the basis for the blessing for Israel as well as the nations. Now, how did Abraham become uh, a blessing and what was that blessing to the descendants of Shem and to the families of the earth? God said, in you, all the nations of the world, all the families of the world will be blessed. Well, the answer to this is tied to a series of promises and statements that God gave in his word that began with the Garden of Eden. Just, just listen to this. You can write some things down. In fact, I think you have this on your, your notes. The promise, the first promise that was given is Genesis chapter 3. This is the blessing. This is where it began. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Right in the Garden of Eden, after man's fall, God said to Satan, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. There's always going to be a conflict between Satan's people and God's people. And then he said, he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. In other words, there's going to be one unique person one unique person, one godly person who will crush Satan on the head and he will, Satan will only damage him on the heel. In other words, Satan's blow will not be as crushing and defeating as his will be. So this first promise is of the ultimate deliverer and ultimate deliverance from Satan. It would come by one unique seed of the woman. Now that's all we know from at that point on. If we, didn't, we, didn't, if we weren't told anything more, we would just say, well, that's really interesting. I don't know who it is. But the promises that were given tell us more and more about this unique person. In chapter 9, verse 26, what we just looked at here, it is revealed that this unique seed would be a Shemite. He would not come through Japheth. He would not come through Ham. He will come through Shem. Now, at this point, if we stopped here, we, we would say he would have to be either Jewish or Arab. We don't know at this point. In Genesis 12, the promise is narrowed further to the family of Abraham, one of Shem's descendants. It would come through Abraham's line. And uh, Shem had, had a number of children, but now we learn that it's narrowed to Abraham's line. In Genesis chapter 49, let me read this to you, verse 10. Genesis 49, verse 10, it says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh come. comes. The Messiah will come from Judah. Years later, God narrowed the promise of a Messiah, a Messiah king, to one of Abraham's great-grandsons by the name of Judah. Then later in Jewish history, God narrowed this promise still further to one person from the line of Judah, and that would be King David. 2 Samuel chapter 7 speaks of David having a son who will have an eternal kingdom. Eternal kingdom. And finally... Finally, in the New Testament, it all comes together. All these promises come together in one special seed of the woman, and that is Jesus of Nazareth. And that's why when Matthew opens his gospel, you know how Matthew opens his gospel? The, the first lines of the New Testament, it's there for a reason. 
specifically saying this, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. All the Jewish people would understand what that's talking about. This is the promised one. All these promises came together in Jesus. And and yet there is another statement, very interesting, another genealogy in Luke chapter 3. Much of of Luke 3 is about the genealogy, but I just want to read this to you. Verse 36, speaking of Jesus, the son of uh, Canaan, the son of Arphaxed, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, and and Luke is taking uh, taking the genealogy of Jesus right back to the very beginning. That's the whole point. The blessing then, now watch this, the blessing then that God gave Shem in Noah's day, in Noah's day, is that his descendants would have a special relationship with the one true God. His relationship, his descendants rather, would have a special relationship with the one true God, and that relationship was possible only because the Messiah, as the New Testament will record later on, the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, would eventually die as a sacrifice for their sin. That's what this blessing is about. That's the marvelous blessing. But surprisingly... Surprisingly, Noah's prophecy doesn't stop there. There is a blessing not only for Shem's people, but for Japheth's descendants. Notice verse 27. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. Now, who are the descendants of Japheth? Well, just look around. It's you guys. That's who it is. Most of you are the descendants of Japheth. Now, in a few moments, uh, we're going to go through. We're going to look at some of the descendants, the specific ones in chapter 10, not all of them. But basically, the descendants of Japheth are those who settled in Europe and Russia and surprisingly, even India. Uh, Linguists, those who study languages, have connected uh, the people of, of India with Europeans by their language. By their language. So we would say the Indo-European people. If your background is from uh, Scandinavia, Germany, England, France, a- any place in, in Europe, even, uh, even Russia... Uh, you would be a descendant of Japheth. So, this is, so you have to really pay attention because this pertains to you. So most of you here are descended from Japheth. And to Japheth, God's blessing is twofold. Number one, there's a physical aspect of this blessing. A blessing that concerns territory. Noah said, may God enlarge Japheth. It doesn't mean may Japheth put on a lot of weight here. He's not talking about that. He's talking about enlarging his territory. Actually, the name Japheth means enlarge. It means enlarge. And that is precisely what has happened to the descendants of Japheth. They spread over much of the earth from India to Europe and to Russia and even now to the Western Hemisphere, uh, especially the United States and Canada. And think with me, in, in history, most of the world's exploration and conquering of lands uh, have been done by Japheth's European descendants. Remember history? There's Spain and, and England, Portugal, and, uh, and Italy. That's precisely what God was talking about. He enlarged the territory of Japheth. So that has been fulfilled. Japheth is on much of the earth's territory. Secondly, the, the second um, aspect of this blessing is a spiritual aspect, 
in which we read, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean to dwell in the tents of Shem? Does that mean he's going to take over Shem? No, it doesn't mean that at all. In, in a Middle Eastern context, what this means, to dwell in someone's tent, meant that you shared in the belongings of your host who owns the tent. And it's really thinking of Middle Eastern hospitality. If you today were to go to Israel and uh, would meet some Bedouins, those are the uh, nomadic shepherds, uh, they would be the most hospitable people to you, at least for three days. Then I'm told that after three days they would, they would cut your throat because they would figure that if you don't have any place to go after three days, you must be running from the law. But for three days, you would share in their, their tent. Let me just show you this so uh, you, you'll see where, uh, where we get this from. In Psalm 84, verse 10, there's an expression about dwelling in someone's tent. Psalm 84, verse 10, where the psalmist says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I don't want to share in anybody's wickedness, he says. I would rather be just at the, at the, at the outside of God's house than to dwell inside and share in wickedness. That, that's the same thought here. So, According to Noah's prophecy, someday, watch this, someday the Gentiles would partake of the same spiritual blessings that the Jewish people partake of. The blessings that God promised to Shem would be shared by Japheth. Now that is an incredible promise. That's an amazing promise, especially, and I don't mean to insult anybody here, but especially in light of history that indicates that Japheth's descendants, yes, your forefathers, were largely very pagan and savage. Do you know that? That's true. I'm reminded of what Benjamin Disraeli, the, the uh, former Jewish prime minister of England, said to a member of parliament who made a very negative statement about Disraeli's uh, Jewishness. Here's what Benjamin Disraeli said. He said, I remind you that my forefathers were worshiping the one true and living God while yours were naked savages eating acorns in the woods of Britain. <laughs> kind of humbling, isn't it? Kind of humbling. So the question that we need to ask and the question we need to answer is, how was this prophecy fulfilled? Well, I've got to be honest with you, for thousands of years, nobody had a clue how this prophecy would be fulfilled. Nobody knew how it would be fulfilled, and it wasn't fulfilled in, until Shem's greatest son, Jesus, came. And Jesus opened salvation to the Gentile people. I'd like you to look in John chapter, keep your place, if you will, in Genesis, but in John chapter 10, John chapter 10, marvelous uh, statement that Jesus gave that uh, you ought to thank God for this. You ought to praise him for this. John chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus said, And I have other sheep, which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. Do you realize what he was saying? The Mormons take this to mean that uh, Jesus came to America. That has absolutely nothing to do with this. What Jesus is saying is, look, I am the shepherd of the house of Israel. But I am opening salvation to others. I have others to bring, and those are the Gentiles. 
He's talking here prophetically about the church being made up of Jew and Gentile. And that is exactly what happened. After the church was born on the day of Pentecost, uh, the, the early church was made up of Jewish people, but then it opened up in chapter 10. They finally understood. It opened up in chapter 10 with Cornelius and his household, and from then on, Gentiles have been welcomed into the church. That's what he's talking about. Thank you, Pastor Steve. That is an incredible promise. It was a pleasure to have you in class today. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. Today's class was the beginning of a two-part message entitled, Noah and Sons, How Did the Nations Come About? If you would like to hear the entire message at one time, you can order a CD or cassette by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. Our number again is 727-441-1714. I hope you'll join us for the next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve will be continuing our study of Noah's prophecy and all of its ramifications. So until next time, God bless you as you serve him. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. Church is where you find the teaching and fellowship. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.